it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. On this week's episode, we're going to look back at Smash Wrestling's Any Given Sunday that happened in Toronto last Sunday. We're going to look forward to what's coming up tonight at the London Music Hall as Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling team up together to be doing a Twitch special, Brace for Impact. We'll look at WD and... AEW News, along with reviewing what happened at the TakeOver and Royal Rumble specials that happened last Sunday. Thank you for joining me, and as always, check us out on the Facebook page, where right now, through the month of February, we're going to be doing Fantasy Warfare. Every day, you get to vote on who you think would win in a certain matchup that's there. Could be a tag team triple threat, could be a women's match, could be a nostalgia match like we already had this week with the superpowers sort of element of Bray Wyatt and Papa Shango. Who knows what will happen the rest of the month. If you have suggestions, check us out on our Facebook page and send me a message of what you'd like to see as a fantasy warfare all this month in February. And be sure to share this episode with your friends, whether they listen to their podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or Stitcher. We're also available on many other applications for podcasts. They just need to search us out at Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, and they'll be able to find us, subscribe to us, and listen every week. I'll be right back after these few short messages. Coming April 26th to the 28th at the Ramada Inn, London, Ontario, it's Shockstock. Shockstock is London, Ontario's premier annual horror and subculture convention. Each year we bring, for a few short days, the real deal in sleaze, horror, and exploitation with celebrities, events, and vendors who know what the fans want. No insane lineups, no curfews, no problem. Enjoy jam-packed vendor rooms, a full weekend-long film festival with awards and fully stocked bar and lounge with nighttime events on-site and more. Submit your film via Film Freeway at filmfreeway.com slash shockstock. 
presented by London's own Sultans of Slime, Vagrancy Films, The Grim Brothers Entertainment, in association with Fangora, Raven Banner, and of course, Bob's Ultimate Meats. Are you looking for your own Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt so you can show off your Scumbags pride at your next local independent wrestling event? Well, I got the answer for you. You can go check out my friend Daryl over at Twisted Tees. He produces high-quality t-shirts with the most amazing up-to-date technology for printing shirts. And for just $25, you can get your own shirt. Whether it's a parody logo of Superstars of Wrestling, Raw's War, the Survivor Series, a design inspired by Brock Lesnar's Suplex City, or the All In event, you can go check out Daryl and get your own shirt. You can be found at twistedteesmerch.com. Show your pride today, order a t shirt, and stand out above the crowd. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression, and fundamentals are being made at the Wrestling Factory. This is Tyson Dukes, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. And welcome back to the show. This is your Smash Wrestling Report for this week. Last Sunday, Daniel and I took the road trip up to Toronto, braving the elements as London was rather snowed in, but made it to Toronto to go see... Any given Sunday 7 at the Phoenix Concert Theater. There's no doubt that this was one of the most anticipated cards of the year and a great way to kick off 2019. The event started off with a dark match of Jim Strider from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory taking on Gory. I have no idea who actually Gory was, but they put on a decent match and Jim Strider won with a spear. After a few technical difficulties with James and Dustin trying to get microphones to work, they finally got that going, and we got the show on the road, and the first match out was Greed against Puff. Puff wasn't too willing to accept Greed's apology from the last time that they were in the ring together, and Greed had attacked him, not wanting to dance and be the funny guy anymore. So, instead of shaking Greed's hand, Puff uh, slapped him, and the fight was underway. In the end, Greed ended up picking up the victory and then decided to yell at the fans and tell them that he's no longer going to be the funny guy. He's there to be serious and take the business in his own direction. Up next, there was an amazing triple threat tag team match featuring Killscreen, Shane Saber, and Mark Wheeler, along with Fight or Flight and the Well-Oiled Machines. Much like how the triple threat tag team match happened here in London involving Fight or Flight, this too was more like a tornado match where they were flying all over the place and there was no actual tagging going on for the longest time and the referee couldn't really keep control of things. They flew out of the ring, they were all over the place and... The action went inside the ring, outside the ring, from the ropes. There was spots everywhere. People were scrambling to get out of their way. And in the end, 
it was Killscreen who got the victory in this battle. After everybody cleared out of the ring, Pepper Parks was still kind of feeling the effects of everything that had happened, and Psycho Mike tried to help him along and get him up, but it wasn't helping. So Mike went outside and got a chair to give to Pepper to sit down on. But before he could give it to him, his voice, the conscience of Psycho Mike, got involved and wanted him to do it, turn heel on Pepper Parks, swing the chair for the fences, and take Pepper out. There was a moment where he thought about it, but in the end, the better voice prevailed, and Psycho Mike gave Pepper Parks the chair to sit on and give him a moment before they were getting ready to leave the ring. And while oil machines are still intact, regardless of what the voice wanted to have happen. The next match of the night featured Sebastian Suave taking on Jay Freddy, who was there to replace the injured Daniel Garcia. Jay Freddy is from the Buffalo area and has wrestled around the world, except for not much, I guess, here in the Ontario region, because not many people really knew who he was. However, he did put on a really good match with Sebastian, even though Kingdom did get involved when there was a rough distraction. In the end, though, the numbers game was just too much for Jay Freddy, and Sebastian Suave took the victory. After the match, the fans at the Phoenix were chanting, please come back to Jay Freddy, so you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, the fans have sent a message to the management of Smash Wrestling, and if Jay enjoyed his time there, there's any chance that the two could work again together and have Jay Freddy back into a Smash Wrestling ring. The tag team titles were on the line as the Pillars, Brent Banks and Tyson Dukes, defended their tag team titles against Halal Beefcake. Unlike the previous triple threat tag team match that happened a few matches earlier, this match was more of a in-the-ring and technical uh, spectacle compared to that triple threat tag team match. And both teams were really intense going back and forth with each other, so much so that even the referee couldn't get them to stop, and he got pushed down. And he just threw the match out, saying he wasn't going to allow them to take advantage of him anymore. And so there was a no contest, a double disqualification between both teams. The Pillars still retained the tag team titles. And, oops, Cousin Vinny got involved. Halal Beefcake had gotten a table from underneath the ring, attempting to put the Pillars through it. But that didn't work out so well. And Halal Beefcake made a run for it, using Cousin Vinny as a shield. That didn't stop Tyson and Brent Banks from giving it to Vinny. With the table set up in the corner, Tyson picked up Vinny and did a Death Valley driver through the table. That didn't break. So, they did it not twice more, but three times more. And the table still didn't break. Apparently this table took a licking from another time. And it didn't break either. Figuring that Vinny had taken enough punishment. Through a table that didn't break. On three separate occasions. Tyson took to the microphone. And challenged Halal Beefcake. 
to another tag team title match, this time with tables involved, and that'll happen at Saturday's Brace for Impact with Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling at the London Music Hall. One can only hope the tables at the Music Hall will actually break, unlike the one that was at the Phoenix on Sunday. This now took us to the intermission, but when we got back, it was right into the thick of things with the Smash Wrestling Heavyweight Championship online as Tarek defended against Carter Mason, the King of the North. Even though Carter Mason's taken eight months off regular bookings, he's now back in the swing of things and has been a valuable asset to the Smash Wrestling crew in being able to step up when people were not available. Just like here in London, where Carter Mason took the place of Kevin Blackwood in the keyboards match against Sky O'Shea, Carter Mason was called upon for this past Sunday to step in for Kevin Bennett, who was injured in the car accident, and he got given a title shot for his dedication and willingness to appear, and so he took on Tarek. This match had a great pace to it, and went back and forth between Tarek and Carter Mason, but in the end, still champion is Tarek, who picked up the victory, and both men shook each other's hand before the match and after the match started. There's a bright future still ahead for Carter Mason in Smash Wrestling. I look forward to seeing him the next time. The second last match of the night was a Lucha Showcase featuring former Smash Wrestling champion Matt Cross taking on the Neon Ninja facade and Ray Horace. It didn't take long for a chop to bust open the chest of facade and so he was ailing that throughout most of the match and all three men went back and forth inside the ring outside the ring and in the end it was former champion Matt Cross who took the victory. Just before the main event happened there was a very long break just to wrap barbed wire around all four sides of the ring and also bring in a chair that was wrapped in barbed wire and two tables that were wrapped in barbed wire. This was going to be a match of dangerous proportions as Jimmy Havoc took on Scotty O'Shea. What was originally scheduled to be Scotty O'Shea against Kevin Blackwood. We wish Kevin Blackwood good health and speedy recovery from the car accident so that we can see O'Shea and Blackwood again. However, nothing was held back in this match between Jimmy Havoc and Scotty O'Shea. At one point on the outside of the ring, Jimmy Havoc had gotten a keyboard that was wrapped in barbed wire and used it on the head of Scotty O'Shea. Inside the ring, the chair was set up and Scotty was tied up in the barbs and Jimmy Havoc got a pair of scissors cutting his hair and used the blade on O'Shea's face. O'Shea eventually brought out a bag full of individual keys from a keyboard and they were slamming each other on it, much like how you don't want to be slammed on Lego or walk on Lego. There might be a mix of a little bit of thumbtacks in there too, but I definitely know that there was yeah, keyboards pieces in there. The ending saw 
Scotty O'Shea hit a variation of the Mishinuku driver into a, the barbed wire plank of wood that was in the corner, but Havoc kicked out at two, according to the referee. So O'Shea did it again in the center of the ring and got the victory. They quickly got Jimmy Havoc out of there to seek medical attention for landing on the barbed wire. And it's been reported that he's fine afterwards and was attended to. Scotty O'Shea stayed in the ring and cut a promo that was really good to end the night. I really enjoyed this trip to Toronto. Barring the weather, it was still a great drive and an amazing show. And with all the changes that needed to happen due to the unfortunate car accident and different additions to the card, Smash Wrestling still continues to persevere and put on amazing events. Go out of your way to see this, whether you see it on demand through Smash Wrestling's on-demand service at smash-wrestling.com or on the Fight Network when it comes up in a couple of weeks. I'm Joshua Pine, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. And that brings us to this Saturday, February 2nd, from the London Music Hall, right here in London, Ontario, Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling team up to give us Brace for Impact. It's going to be a live special on Twitch. App. The opening dark match is going to feature some students from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, including Violet Lee and the debuting Shiloh. We'll see who else is part of that match, and it's sure to be a great showcase of what happens at the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. Then, as I said, at 7 o'clock, live on Twitch, it's going to be a mixture of Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling presenting an amazing card. On the Impact Wrestling side, we're going to see OVE taking on the Rascals and Johnny Impact taking on Sammy Callahan. There'll be a women's tag team match that brings the best of both Smash Wrestling and Impact Wrestling together for this match as the team of Demon Bunny, Rosemary, and Allie take on the team of Casey Spinelli and Xander Bale, who will be performing in her final match. Xander Bale has been a huge part of the success of Smash Wrestling and been a part of the Canusa Classic all the years that it's been running. She's been appearing on all the Smash Wrestling cards, whether it's in Toronto, Kitchener, or here in London, and has been a major part of the success of women's wrestling in Ontario. We wish her nothing but success in her future, but we definitely look forward to this match as there's no way she's going to go out that easy and they're going to put on a great match as her final bow. 
More on the Smash Wrestling side of things for this card will include Cody Diener taking on Psycho Mike Rollins. The tag team titles are going to be on the line as Halal Beefcake challenges the Pillars, Brent Banks, and Tyson Dukes for the tag titles in a tables match as nothing got solved at any given Sunday 7. At any given Sunday 7 backstage, Carter Mason was thankful for the opportunity to get a title shot in Toronto and was thankful to Smash Wrestling for allowing him a spotlight. But as he was doing that, Sebastian Suave interrupted him and said the only person who deserves a spotlight is himself. So, as a result, Sebastian Suave will meet Carter Mason during Brace for Impact. And then the main event, at least on the Smash Wrestling side of things, is going to be Tarek defending his Smash Wrestling Championship against Scotty O'Shea. O'Shea has stepped up a lot, even in this feud against Kevin Blackwood, and has earned himself this shot at the Smash Wrestling Championship. Only time will tell if the Pillars can walk out of London with all the titles still intact. There's definitely some general admission tickets available, and if you are unable to attend the show live, you can check it out on Twitch. Before that event happens, though, Chris Maloney from the Sharpshooter Podcast and myself are going to go live on Facebook and run down the card and give our predictions. We might even have time to talk about all the goings-on in WWE and AEW. You never know what's going to happen. But I hope you join me at that time tomorrow afternoon. Be sure to watch your feeds for notifications. And join us and give us some questions. We'll see what we can add. The rest of February is going to be really quiet for Smash Wrestling. But that doesn't mean they're not preparing for upcoming cards. And what they're going to bring to us for the month of March. Because March is going to be hugely busy for them. Because on March 9th. Smash Wrestling returns to the Tannery Event Center at the Taste of Tannery in Kitchener, Ontario at 7.30 for The Spirit Within. March 23rd, Smash Wrestling and Barry Wrestling combine to bring the Mariposa Mayhem in Aurelia at 5 p.m. Matches for those two cards will be announced in the upcoming weeks, if not days. March 24th at 5 p.m., Smash Wrestling presents Tell All Your Friends at the Phoenix in Toronto. You'll see Brian Cage taking on Speedball Mike Bailey. Also scheduled to appear are TDT, Matt Cross, Lufisto, Veda Scott, Facade, Jason Kincaid, and many more. And on March 31st, Smash Wrestling comes back to London for Louder Now at the London Music Hall. Already set to appear are Kevin Bennett versus Speedball Mike Bailey, TDT, Jason Kincaid, Facade, and Jody Threat. Tickets and more information for all these events can be found either on their Facebook page or by going to their website at smash-wrestling.com. If you're attending Brace for Impact this Saturday at the London Music Hall, be sure to stop by the merch table and see Cody Diener. Cody will be selling and signing his Giver for Charity pictures 
all night long and be donating 100% of the profits made to the Buffalo Brothers in their recovery efforts. As a Canadian, we truly have no idea how much medical bills can add up over time. It can cause a lot of needless stress that can hinder the mental healing from such a horrific accident. Along with Diener's charity, you can also give to the Buffalo Brothers through one of their two GoFundMe pages. There's a Canadian one and an American one. Plus, you can look for how you can buy one of the three t-shirts that are on sale to support them or buy raffle tickets for an autographed Scumbags Wrestling t-shirt signed by the leagues of the Canusa Classic. Tickets are just 3 for $5 or 10 for 10 and will be drawn on April 6th right before the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. I accept e-transfers, or you can buy them in person from me at a local Smash Wrestling event. Either way you do it, make sure you find a way to support the Buffalo Brothers in their ongoing needs to get them back healthy and into the ring again. Do you like things a little hot and spicy? Well, come to the first annual Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo, March 2nd, 2019, at Centennial Hall. Heat Wave Hot Sauce Expo is southwestern Ontario's home of heat. Enjoy your sauce and spicy food from over 40 international producers. All vendors are providing free samples of their sauces on nachos or pretzels, or you can buy some meaty chicken wings at the show and spice them up however you'd like with hundreds of choices available from our vendors. Fans attending get a totally unique experience with an 80s theme motif and atmosphere on the show floor. The event will be licensed with craft beers and spirits available for consumption to pair with your perfect sauce. As well, live podcasts, demonstrations, and competitions for those who wish to test their limits will take place on the heatwave stage. For fans of Spice, or those just seeking an afternoon of heat, Heatwave is your place to go. Heatwave takes place Saturday, March 2nd at Centennial Hall in London, Ontario, Canada. Tickets available right now. And now, for some wrestling news from around the industry. On February 7th at 6pm, from the Splash Pool at the MGM Grand Theater in Las Vegas, AEW will be presenting a Double or Nothing ticket announcement party. It'll be streamed for all to see on the internet. During that party, there's bound to be more announcements of talent that have signed. AEW is apparently also interested in signing Brock Lesnar when he becomes available. Chris Jericho sent out tweets this week that have since been deleted, but he's indicated that he would love to face Brock Lesnar in an AEW ring. I'm actually not sure if having part-time guys like Brock Lesnar in AEW is good for their reputation. They're trying to get a breed of fans that want the best of the best. And creating that sort of persona in AEW is a start from what they did with All In. But Brock Lesnar is already looked upon as a waste of time and space. Maybe because of how WWE presents him, but... To have him just come and go the way he does with WWE, if you put that into AEW, 
you're only ripping off what WWE does, and you want to be something different than what has already been. Be your alternative, be yourself, not be the second coming of WWE or even a second coming of WCW, because we've seen what happened with that. Brock Lesnar is, though, expected to be at WrestleMania and then the May Saudi Arabia show, and after that, he's available to negotiate with staying with WWE, which Vince McMahon is liable to throw a ton of cash at him to keep him there. He can negotiate with AEW or even go back to UFC. Last night, the Young Bucks showed up at the end of the main event of Hell or High Water in Atlanta. That was having SoCal Uncensored taking on the Lucha Brothers. Well, the Young Bucks came in and they confronted the Lucha Brothers and they praised them for making tag team wrestling still a viable thing and being able to main event shows, unlike how it does, unfortunately, in WWE and is considered a second thought. The show ended with them doing a handshake with the Lucha Brothers, who are still working for MLW, Impact, and Lucha Underground. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when those deals end and where the Lucha Brothers can go. And most likely, they will go to AEW, even though WWE wants them as well. A subpoena had been filed on behalf of the Jerry Lawler family against the Hardeman uh, County Sheriff's Office and Tennessee Bureau of Investigation in regards to the investigation into the death of Jerry's son, Brian Lawler, also known as Grandmaster Sexay, that happened this past summer. It's still in question whether or not he actually hung himself or if something else happened that resulted in his death and being found hung in his jail cell. Details of the upcoming XFL season in 2020 have come out with some changes to what happened the last time the XFL was around. And so some of the things that have been announced is that there'll be no more nicknames on the back of jerseys. So no more he hates me happening. Vince McMahon owns 100% of the XFL. There is no other partnerships going on. All head coaches will earn half a million dollars for the season. Top players can make up to $250,000 with playing incentives for winning games. Vince has shares in DraftKings and will encourage legalized gambling on the XFL games. There'll be drug testing for performance-enhancing drugs of all the players. Plus, then next week, they plan to announce head coaches and a TV deal. This week on Raw, Kurt Angle is set to address his future in WWE. He's already a Hall of Famer and a former GM of Raw and SmackDown. Will this be a retirement announcement, or is there a challenge for WrestleMania coming up? And that will happen this Monday on Raw. Kevin Owens said that he has had a match with Adam Cole in front of just one other person. He had surgery on both knees in October, and WWE had reported that Owens and Zayn were on their way back to WWE soon. This could be the first step in that happening for Kevin Owens. Dave Bautista said in a recent interview that's on YouTube that he is interested in doing some wrestling this year. If it was any indication of what happened at the SmackDown anniversary show and his confrontation with Triple H, whether it happens with Triple H or not, 
expect Dave Batista to probably have a match of some sort happening at WrestleMania. While the Royal Rumble weekend was happening in Arizona, Rey Mysterio took time to visit the grave of Eddie Guerrero for the first time ever. Rey still haunted by the pain and memories of Eddie's passing away in November 2005. This week on TV saw the unknown reasons for heel turns of Elias, who ended up taking out Jeff Jarrett and the Road Dog, and establishing himself more as a heel, which... For his case, he does do better as a heel than a face. And it also saw the unexplained heel turn of Rusev after the successful Rusev day that went nowhere, even though the fans were fueling it, the WWE didn't take advantage of it. And then he ends up teaming up with the guy who ended up hurting Lana and her ankle and losing the United States Championship to... So I don't know what's going on with the whole Rusev thing, but that's what's going on that way. Seth Rollins had announced that he was needing time to make up his decision of who he was going to go against for of WrestleMania since he won the Royal Rumble and he has a choice between the two champions. But Raw ended with him being taken out by Brock Lesnar. So it's been announced that he's going to take on Brock at WrestleMania. And Becky Lynch didn't waste any time. And wanting to wait for SmackDown to happen, she went out at Raw and asked that she's going after Ronda Rousey for the Raw women's title. And that whole segment was amazing. Like, even though Ronda kind of slipped on her lines and the fans got to her uh, in the setup of the Open Challenge and went against Bailey, they still ended up having a great match and then an even better promo when it was... Becky confronting Rhonda and I have no idea how they would do it. I don't want them to do it. They better stick with it just being a one-on-one match between Becky and Rhonda for that and not get Charlotte involved unless Charlotte somehow is a guest referee or whatever. I don't want her in there just because of the heat that that came off of that promo at the end of Monday night raw or segment before the ending of Monday Night Raw when they confronted each other. That is your main event for WrestleMania. There's no way they can write something any bigger than that and get them unseated from that main event position. We also saw that Riot Squad members are going to be part of the Elimination Chamber for the first ever women's tag team titles along with Tamina and Nia Jax, who won their matches, plus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, they put their name forward without even having a qualifying match on SmackDown. So half the field has been completed for the Elimination Chamber to determine the first ever women's tag team title winners. And then the other Elimination Chamber will have Daniel Bryan defending his newly introduced, environmentally friendly WWE uh, world championship uh, belt against AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, and I believe it's Mustafa Ali or Rey Mysterio <gasps> in a Elimination Chamber match. SmackDown also had a celebration of the tag team titles with the Miz's father being there. But then they had a number one contenders match for the 
tag team titles, and the Usos ended up winning that, with Heavy Machinery being the only tag team that hasn't had a shot at the titles, including The Bar and The New Day. And yet, we want to have a new vision on the tag team area, give others an opportunity, yet we're still going to the same well with the Usos winning that match. They could have done so much more to have other tag teams than The Bar and New Day and Usos involved in that four-way match to just give somebody else a fresh push. Unfortunately, somebody who's not going to get a fresh push is going to be Dean Ambrose because it came out that he's decided not to renew his contract as it runs out in April. He's not happy with the direction of his character since turning heel and everything that's happened since and before that. And WWE even confirmed the rumors with their own post on WWE.com stating that his contract ends and that they wish he'll come back, but they wish him the best in the future, which is kind of odd considering WWE never really makes comment on anybody's contract to that degree, especially when it's now only February and it doesn't until April. Like, it's kind of weird. So it's also kind of put up some red flags wondering is this legit or not because between now and April, anything could happen where he does resign and they could be also playing the internet and the AEW crowd and who knows who else because not even the writers or talent knew anything of this happening, including the confrontation with Nia Jax and everything else that happened on Monday Night Raw. So, once again, it sparked speculation that it might actually just be a work and he'll end up staying after April. What isn't a work is that there's currently some superstars that are not happy on the roster in their spots. We've heard already that people like the Revival and Maria Kanellis and Hideo Itami have not been happy, and even Dolph Ziggler, they're staying, except for Hideo Itami, has been given his release under the proviso that I guess he's going back to Japan, and he's going back by Kenta, and he won't be working in North America. It's a shame, because I actually liked him, but he was injury-ridden, and so it's hard to put a rocket onto somebody who had so many injuries, and... I guess putting him on 205 Live was the next step to try and see if he had anything, but it's obviously not working out, and he's leaving the company. So I'd like to wish Hideo Itami his best when he goes back to Japan, and hopefully everything gets straightened out with whatever's going on in the problem with WWE, and they've been accessing their talent to talk about uh contracts and see what's going to make them happy to stay because right now if you believe everything that's happening on the internet there is quite the exodus happening on their roster and while it's great for AEW they can't take everybody all at one time Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades 
and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. Last Saturday on the WWE Network was NXT TakeOver Phoenix. The War Raiders defeated the Undisputed Era to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. It was quite the way to start off this night, and things could only get better from there, one would hope. Bianca Belair had a hard-fought match, but it wasn't enough to take the women's title off of the waist of Shayna Baszler. For the third time, Matt Riddle defeated Cashizono, this time by submission. In my opinion, the match of the night was the North American Championship match featuring Ricochet defending the title against Johnny Gargano. It went back and forth with Gargano finally taking a page out of the dark side of Tommaso Ciampa. Gargano picked up the victory and became the new North American champion. The main event saw Tommaso Ciampa find a way to defeat Aleister Black to retain the NXT championship. The show ended with Ciampa and Gargano at the top of the stage holding up their championships. Pretty much seeing a evil side of DIY reunited though I'm not sure if how much that Ciampa should be trusting Gar- Johnny Gargano as the championship is still in his sights. After the show ended, they were confronted by Velveteen Dream. Adam Cole then came out, and Aleister Black joined the group as he was on his way back from the ring. Finally, Ricochet came out, and a brawl began between the six men. They fought on the stage until it was broken up, but it started up again backstage. During the Royal Rumble, it was announced that there will be a special six-man tag team match during the return of Halftime Heat on the WWE Network as soon as the Super Bowl goes to halftime. Vic Joseph and Shawn Michaels will be the commentators, and this will happen live from the Performance Center, sort of a empty arena match. And Sunday night was the Royal Rumble. The pre-show started off with Dana Bryan complaining about the massive burger that the arena was going to be selling. 
It was a tower of a burger, but he was complaining about the animals who had to die for it. And he went on a rant from there. There was then an unannounced match that happened with Bobby Roode and Chad Gable going against a mixed pairing of Razar and Scott Dawson. Apparently, if the mixed team of Razar and Dawson had won, they would score a title match for their teams to go against Roode and Gable for the actual titles. But Roode and Gable ended up winning the match by pinning Dawson. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Rusev to reclaim the U.S. title. During that match, Lana had gotten in the way and fell from the ringside area and twisted her ankle. This would come into play later on in the evening. Buddy Murphy retained his Cruiserweight title over Akira Tozawa, Kalisto, and Hideo Itami when he hit Murphy's Law on Hideo Itami. The main show of the Royal Rumble kicked off with Asuka taking on Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's title. It was a very physical match between the two, and Asuka eventually applied the Asuka lock and turned it into a reverse choke with a bridge for the victory. The Bar lost their SmackDown Tag Team Championships to the team of The Miz and Shane McMahon. The Miz's family was at ringside to watch this match since the team of Shane and Miz was based on their need for their love and respect from their fathers. Sheamus accidentally hit Cesaro with a brogue kick. Miz hit hit Sheamus with the skull-crushing finale, followed by Shane McMahon landing a perfect shooting star press for the victory and the tag team titles. The Raw women's title was on the line as Ronda Rousey defeated Sasha Banks to retain the title. These two have great chemistry in the ring with each other, but in the end, Ronda hit her Piper's Pit slam for the victory. After the match, there was a show of respect between the two women with a handshake, but not before Sasha flashed the four horsewomen sign. Is this a sign of the future to see the NXT four horsewomen taking on the MMA four horsewomen? If so, maybe SummerSlam here in Canada at the Scotiabank Center in Toronto would be the perfect spot for the four horsewomen battle. The Women's Royal Rumble was up next. The match lasted about 71 minutes, with Natalia lasting almost an hour coming from the number two position. The final five saw Becky Lynch, who was a replacement for Lana with her ankle injury, Carmella, who was number 30th entrant from winning the Mixed Match Challenge, Charlotte Flair, Bailey, and Nia Jax. Hornswoggle made an appearance during the match, to scare Zelina Vega out from under the ring. There were also appearances by a number of NXT talent, including Io Shirai and Carrie Zane. This year, they didn't rely on former divas to fill up spaces. In the end, it came down to Charlotte and Becky, with Lynch kicking Flair to the floor after a backdrop to the apron. Dana Bryan retained his WWE Championship over AJ Styles, with help at the end of the match from a returning Eric Rowan. Another really good match for these two, and Brian now has himself a bodyguard. Finn Balor gave it his all, but it wasn't enough to take down the beast Brock Lesnar, who retained his Universal Championship by submission, 
It was a true David versus Goliath matchup that fared better than the originally booked Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar match would have been. After the match ended, Brock ended up hitting Finn with three German suplexes and an F5. The main event of the night was the Men's Royal Rumble. It started off with Elias going to do a concert that was interrupted by the number two entrant of Double J, Jeff Jarrett, a recent Hall of Famer. They teased singing together until Elias attacked Jarrett to start the match. Jarrett is now a producer with WWE as of last Sunday. During the match, Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins had been taken out of the match, but not by elimination, and they stayed on the floor for a little while. That When they returned to the ring, it was part of the Final Four with Andrade and Dolph Ziggler. The end came down to Seth and Braun, and they battled on the apron until Seth hit the stomp and Braun landed on the floor. This made Seth Rollins the 2019 Men's Royal Rumble winner and will now go on to WrestleMania to face the champion of his choice. The match saw Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and Aleister Black take part, and Nia Jax took out R-Truth, who was on his way to the ring for the number 30th spot. She ended up eliminating Mustafa Ali and took a 619 RKO and superkick from Mysterio, Orton, and Ziggler before she was eliminated. Overall, while it was a fairly predictable outcome, it was a good show that went almost seven hours. There are still two more pay-per-views between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania to come, including Elimination Chamber and Fastlane. So we'll see what happens and where all the matches will line up for this year's WrestleMania and who will be defending what titles. Canada's original and best horror weekend, Shockstock, the all-nighter freighter, comes to London Ramada in April 26th to the 28th. Already announced for the event is Sleazy P. Martini of Guar, and he's coming to Shockstock 2019. So you want to meet the manager with the mostest, you're going to get your wish. The Art of Clown, David Howard Thorne, makes his way to Shockstock. Don't you dare miss it. April 26th to the 28th, 2019, London, Ontario, the Ramada Inn, it's Shockstock. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Well, that's everything for this week. Thank you for joining me. I'm heading out right now to meet up with Chris Maloney of the Sharpshooter, and we're going to do probably a live prediction show on Facebook page, and I think possibly on his Twitch page with the Sharpshooter Podcast and Sharpshooter.ca. And we're going to do our preview and predictions for tonight's Brace for Impact. It's at the London Music Hall, Smash Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, live on Twitch, starting at 7 o'clock. Whether you're there live or sitting at home watching it, you don't want to miss this show. It's going to be amazing. We're going to do our predictions. I'm going to post pictures to later on tomorrow or tonight, depending on when I get home. And... 
Be sure to support the Buffalo Brothers any way you can. There's so many different options through t-shirt sales, our own raffle, free tickets for $5, 10 for 10 You get your Gumbags Wrestling Podcast t-shirt signed by the ladies of the Canusa Classic. There's GoFundMe pages and probably a bunch of other ways you can support these guys. They really need your help and it's hugely appreciated each and every time that you donate to them. Check out our Facebook page for Fantasy Warfare all February long. I have the polls up first thing in the morning along with the superstar of the day celebrating a various wrestler's birthday. And you can always catch us on Twitter, Instagram, over on our Facebook pages, and by emailing me at scumbagswrestling at gmail.com. As you know, this podcast is available on many different platforms, including Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and Google. I'd like to once again thank Jay Watt and Kill Effect for our opening and closing songs. I don't do it enough, guys, with the thank yous, but I definitely do appreciate it. And you can check those guys out at Kill Effect. So until next time, Take it easy, and we'll see you next time. Granted, I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Just leave.